begin with one minute of silence, and then explore whatever arises. So please join us for this one minute of doing nothing. Anything you uh, noticed right now? I think I was getting a few thoughts. Like my mind was, uh, I was not, I think, much in the now, but I was getting a lot of thoughts in my mind. And those thoughts, again, you know, that is a now experience also. I, I somehow feels that we sometimes also judge our, our own thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. as if thinking is something wrong. But I think that is also important. Uh, and the now experience has, you know, also includes our thought. Uh, so the thought that I was getting was, um, what does it mean to be connected to something just beyond our, our day-to-day -day natural physical, you know, lives? So when we say that, okay, let's journey inwards or let's connect to something, what is, what, what does it mean? And at, what is that threshold, uh, you know, at which we get connected to that? And when we are not connected to that, um, hmm. are you getting that? <laughs> I think so. I have a variety of thoughts and questions my first one is in relation to you said the thinking felt maybe like it wasn't so uh, in the moment. You also talked about that just maybe being a judgment, but I was wondering what about the thought, that thought pathway felt like it was not so much in the moment if that makes sense, or like, is there any thinking that feels like it is present or in the moment versus some that doesn't? Uh, what I feel is that, so this one was like, I felt it in the moment, this, this huh. the thought that I had, but what I feel is that the, the difference between 
you know maybe which is in the moment and which is not in the moment is uh that thought is that uh the thoughts which are not maybe in the moment i'm just doing some guesswork right now is um is something that is forced you know maybe for example uh the question that that i think you also have sometimes and i also have what is it that we are going to speak about right so that is more kind of a forced kind trying to bring forcefully thoughts into our mind You're like grasping for something yeah but in the moment would be for me it would be something that arises from total presence so uh you know as as soon as i went into that state again you know the thought started coming that oh what are we going to speak about but then i pulled my awareness back to this moment and i you know there were those glimpses of nothingness and then the thought you know that you know that came up was uh regarding this connection that i was talking about yeah uh, hmm and so it felt like that <clears throat> thought or that pathway something that was more of just a an arising out of the moment versus searching for something to come up with yeah hmm hmm kind of interesting tell me if you feel like these are related but what you described uh feels related to something that came to my mind because i was also i was just noticing a sort of busyness feeling of my mind and that led into a vision of it's almost like a kind of looked like a video game it was a sort of uh it was both two dimensional and three dimensional it was like a kind of two dimensional stick figure character but it was on a three dimensional plane and the character was like running sprinting forward like you had a controller you're pressing the turbo button or something like that and they just run forward and that to me felt like thinking mind just sort of in control on some path or they're like going all these different directions mm. and then then a feeling of uh stopping the character or slowing down to the point where they're just standing and then they lean backward and fall uh through the the bottom plane and then it like bursts into something that is even beyond the three dimensions it's like this other whole uh space mm -hmm. and then there was a like a shift back and forth between those two because then you find the character running again on the um so maybe that's like a two dimensional version that first level and they're just sprinting and then there is a possibility of maybe pressing another button or letting go of the turbo button and then to slow down and gradually fall backward and then it's like this opening up into a whole different um dimension but that popped up for me yeah i think that's a very good way to put it uh i think that also answers the question uh you know that i had regarding connection uh you know what is that threshold where we get connected to what we say you know getting connected to something beyond the physical uh i think uh, what you're saying is that physical in this sense would be the two dimensional plane but as soon as you know that person just simply stands in the original position and they are just they they uh, you know that person falls off to a three dimensional existence so mm -hmm. maybe for that two dimensional being that uh, the third dimension is the beyond 
what I was talking about, getting connected mm-hmm. to the book. And maybe for us three-dimensional beings, you know, the uh, the beyond is maybe 4D or 5D. Since. <laughs> that that to me seems like a certain kind of effort maybe that it takes to experience such a dimension the the falling back kind of effort because it's like it's sort of counter it's still it's doing something but it's counter to that that forward movement that's trying to reach a goal it's Mm -hmm. uh like a stopping of that and like you don't see what's behind you and you're just, you're vulnerable too. You might get hurt or you might, right. Or maybe how other people perceive you, uh, you're supposed to be running and they look at you just stopping and mm-hmm. giving up or wh- whatever it might be. But that's a certain kind of, I think, significant effort that it takes <laughs> to move into whatever that other dimension is or to, find a new thought or a new experience this like counter mm. effort of falling backward hmm. Hmm. so uh, would you say that it is more of a mental effort or is it a like f- physical effort in that sense so what what i'm saying is what i'm sensing is that uh, like i think i'm seeing it in a bit different way in the sense that what I feel is when that 2D, you know, when that person is running on the 2D plane, they require a lot of uh, energy, you know, a forced energy to do that. So that might exhaust the person. But when the person is standing uh, and, you know, just falling to that three-dimensional plane, that falling is coming from maybe not forcing that energy. That is not exhaustive. But more of a natural energy that just happens you know that comes from that three-dimensional space and it is more of like that potential energy where you know for example someone is skydiving so they don't need to put maybe that physical effort because automatically gravity is pulling them down right and gravity would be working in that situation too there would be a a certain effort on one's behalf to begin that momentum backward and then at that point you're no longer exerting effort you're just allowing this natural force to take you somewhere mm-hmm. so basically you're saying that the effort required to maybe you know in case of skydiving the effort required to maybe jump off the plane right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to go up there yeah and to go up there yes mm. yeah interesting yeah it's, I was just noticing it. it's a cool thing or opportunity, which we've mentioned before, but just to be able to explore this kind of stuff with each other. Like this was an image that I've never had before and just popped up in my mind. And then to have a space to just kind of share it with you. And now we're both talking about it yeah. and <laughs> becomes much, so much more fleshed out and, uh, yeah. It becomes this kind of metaphor for everything. And yeah. also just nice to have another person, you know, listening, genuinely listening and mm. uh, not in a space where 
uh, we're intellectually trying to figure something out or I'm, I'm providing some particular answer, sharing something about my life. It's just like this thing just popped into my mind. Yeah. And yeah. now we're exploring it together. It's a pretty cool interpersonal space uh, to be in, I think. Yeah, and, and what, what fascinates me the most is that these are just like, you know, these are just visuals and these are like just concepts. Uh, and the ability for us to like, for the other person to grasp that, you know, to, to like share that vision. So for example, you know, when I, when I, you know, when I take this bottle and I tell you, see, this is a bottle. So, you know, this is a bottle, right? But if I, if I tell you that, okay, you know, imagine, you know, imagine that this bottle turns into, you know, this monster and this monster is like, you know, golden color monster who is like throwing this golden color fire and, you know, uh, then, you know, this monster, you know, gets those wings and starts flying in the sky. So this is all just like a vision, you know, it's like imagine you will get that, right? That's, that's the most fascinating part when I'm now, this is not something tangible that I'm talking about, but still we have, we can still build a shared experience and consciousness mm. of having this, you know, which is not physical actually. So that brings me to the realization that maybe a lot of people in, in those early times started sharing these stories with each other, you know, which maybe turned into beliefs or, you know, maybe rituals or religions or, or anything like that. You know, I, I, I remember that there, there are many traditions, example, for example, in the, uh, in the Hindu tradition, there is, I don't exactly like know the terminologies, but it is something like when a solar eclipse happens, the imagination that goes with it is like, you know, that there is a monster that eats up the sun. So this was the belief in the earlier times. Uh -huh. There is this monster who eats up the sun. And, you know, the people would start drumming at that time and trying to, you know, make that monster go away. And after some time, the monster would go away. So they would like, see, our drumming worked, right? So uh -huh. this is how mythology get starts getting created now that monster is just an imaginary thing it's not something real but for that particular community it becomes a very real thing in shared experience mm -hmm. uh, so this is fascinating to me what do you think about yes this? it just makes me think of the fun of creativity too um <clears throat> but as you were describing the this sort of expanding story of the dragon that began with your water bottle yeah. uh I was also thinking of like myths and archetypes and mm -hmm. uh, you just sort of beginning the story. I wonder if to tap into the creative mind like that is maybe to inevitably find yourself in some sort of shared uh, creative stuff that we all have, which would date back to ancient times that they would also kind of create these same stories or if you know just through repetition and, and many stories happening over time we you know tap into all those stories that we've heard so we create something similar but i i just wonder maybe if we move into sort of a pure space we will inevitably kind of recreate these myths uh hmm. like like even the, the running person in in my vision probably relates to 
some mythological thing yeah. uh, or you probably find those themes in different myths or if i was a powerful enough person in a certain period of time that this iconography probably could turn into some uh, huge uh, story and philosophy of beliefs based on this uh, dynamic of the running person versus the person who falls back into uh, mm. this other dimension. Um, but just as you were talking, it made me think of sort of you in that moment tapping into this basic kind of creative source that we all have very intimate knowledge with, but we have to allow it to be unleashed. Um, but that would connect us with all these different sort of myths and traditions. Yeah. It's fascinating because, uh, you know, the fascinating part is that, as you correctly said, the archetypes, you know, these kind of uh, symbols that are that are kind of common, you know, for example, dragon, we, we see this word repeated so many times in, in our shared experience. And a dragon is again an archetype, you know, in that sense. And I think, you know, that makes me feel that uh, Carl Jung was absolutely right about this collective unconscious that we share, you know, that has those archetypes. And, you know, that's why these archetypes pop up in, in those dreams and in our, in our visions. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm also thinking that, you know, maybe this is how, I don't know, maybe this is how telepathy works hmm. in the sense that huh. we we kind of are sharing this, uh, you know, this vision, which is not physical, which is not tangible, but there is a field where we are sharing this vision together hmm. of, of a dragon, for example. So this field, maybe this field, maybe the way to communicate, you know, to you, uh, you know, tele telepathically without maybe bringing that dragon into physical space, or maybe at some point of time without even talking about it, there might be, I'm, I'm just guessing that there might be species who are not even using words like dragon, but they are still having a sort of a shared experience of that dragon, you know, without mm -hmm. even saying the word of it. Uh -huh. I was just uh, wondering in, in, in this moment, in, in maybe the, the mind of a person who might be listening and in your mind and in my mind, what the image of a dragon is like. Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. What do you see? I see uh, like a, a very long a uh, long creature that is flying that is red in color with with green scales on the body hmm. and yeah that is is it is it doing doing anything in particular or just uh, flying around and breathing fire <laughs> yeah what, what's is that just about? is that just part of its being or is the fire being breathed uh with some uh object that it's aimed at or is that just part of what it's doing just part of what it's doing more of a more of an act to kind of to to show its power to show people uh, that can do that yeah uh, what is it for you okay mine is like a this it's also very long but it's a windy and upward 
dragon mm. uh, that's green and yellow. And it's actually kind of like a happy or silly dragon, kind of a mischievous dragon. And it's like looking out of the corner of its eye uh, at me. Mm-hmm. Sort of, sort of frozen in space, but it's vertical. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, I think we we do share a lot of like commonalities in that. You know, for example, a long uh, mm-hmm. the length of a dragon. It's long, and you know, it's also green. I also mentioned green color. Mm-hmm. So there is, uh, you know, these commonalities. Maybe because also of uh, because of the tradition and you know the images that we see. You know, for example, when I go to uh, Chinatown here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I would see those images, you know, red or green. I think maybe it's also coming from that. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what uh, what do you feel about this in the sense that what do you think that if I if I ask like in a, in in uh, in a simple language although the word is not simple it's complex but what is the meaning of like what would be telepathy for you telepathy te- telepathy mm-hmm. um what would it be for me yeah like when it, when you listen to this word what comes to your mind or what is your experience of it uh the first thing i think of is being able to think something and transmit it into your mind although that might not be so maybe it's either that or it's me being able to be aware of what it is that you're thinking hmm. and and do you do is that possible do you think is that possible the first thing i think of maybe has to do with language and I wonder if that kind of, maybe that, of course, I have no idea. And maybe that the first thing that comes to my mind is maybe that kind of knowing happens on a pre-language level. And potentially I can know maybe very intimately what you know, Mm. like, and feel, but then I would have to turn that, I would have to translate it into my language um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. might, as we know, language is something that can really be a barrier to seeing and like feeling truth yeah. or, or really being present. And so that that's just sort of what I think of that maybe I could tap into something that is like exactly what it is that you're feeling, but then it would have to come through all for me to have, for me to then repeat it back to you Mm -hmm. or to articulate it in some way would have to go through Mm -hmm. all of my layers of uh, language and experience and Mm -hmm. kind of ego quote unquote filters, uh, which might be very far removed from the actual meaning, maybe based on my own sense of being in touch with, that first part or that deeper layer. Hmm, hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah. So uh, what I'm uh, what I'm listening and you know uh, is what I'm hearing is that 
the knowing you uh, you are saying the knowing is maybe more pure than when it is translated into language maybe the you know maybe at a level we we know that something is true that is a shared experience but when we try to translate that and tell it it comes out as a different meaning right uh, what i'm also thinking of right now is you know the ability for example when two people and i think uh, i have experienced this in my relationships maybe you have also when we spend too much time, too much time with with a person uh, maybe when we are very close to a person there comes a point of time when there is a knowing you know for example a, you know a situation happens and your your that person is standing with you who is close to you and you see you look at that person and you just know what they are thinking and you know you sometimes you also say that uh, you know are you are you thinking the same thing that i am thinking you know mm-hmm. so it is like a knowing that what would you, the other person would be thinking but yeah when it comes to language then it comes from a different uh, lens totally and maybe yeah. then it becomes different but the knowing is uh, greater when we are closer to that person maybe i was just wondering if if that could even work in reverse in some way when you're with someone that you spend a lot of time with that you can maybe fall into very sort of familiar patterns of of thinking and being and uh potentially at least at least this is something that that I tried to practice like with my wife for example mm. uh of there's always the possibility to let go of any idea of what she is thinking and i wonder if if via that connection if it's also possible through that openness like for that to change uh, for mm-hmm. even what the other person is thinking to change yeah. through their sense of your openness to them being able to think anything um mm. versus thinking that i know what she's thinking even if i might have been right in the first mm. place uh mm. if that makes sense but i yeah you you absolutely right but what i feel is that there is a difference between the egotistical knowing and the true yeah. knowing <laughs> uh-huh. so what i feel is when i say that oh i know you know when i tell you oh i oh i know you know what you are thinking because i know you because i know right. your patterns i know your behavior you know i know your so that that comes from a more place of an ego you know egoistic knowing which is sure. oh oh i just know you know because i i have spent so much time with you yeah uh, this is what you're thinking i know it uh, yeah like kind of mm-hmm. uh, trying to act smart you know i can figure mm-hmm. out I, i know you but right. other one is more of a feeling like more than the rational uh you know words that i i know what you are thinking it is more about truly knowing that truly feeling mm-hmm. that in someone's presence mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh as if you are so much connected you know i think this is how empathy works maybe that you are so much connected to that person that if th- if that person is feeling that pain your heart also starts feeling that and that is more of a knowing than the you know ra- the the knowing that comes from the mind i think mm-hmm. it is more of i would say it is more of a knowing of the heart mm-hmm. than the mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, i just 
thought of a pretty benign example. It may be more of the mind, but maybe not. Uh, my wife and I were watching a show yesterday and it got halfway through and no one had said anything. And I just paused it and I was like, how are you feeling about this? And mm. the, she described like the exact feeling that I was having. I was like, it's interesting, but I don't really, I think I get it. And I'm not that interested in watching the rest of it. Um, mm. But it was kind of cool. Cause I, I think if I had a sense that, that she was really into it or enjoying it, I wouldn't want to inject that. Yeah. Uh, I might say it afterward, but there was a sort of like a sense in the way we were both sitting or something, um, yeah. or maybe just you know, my understanding of our past shared experience together. Uh, mm. And it was sort of a nice feeling too. It was like, yeah, that's exactly what I feel um, mm. too. Mm. Do you feel at some point of time the uh, the words, you know, or the need to have a conversation becomes lesser and lesser in a uh, in a relationship? Uh, that you just maybe maybe do we have that ability to reach to a point when we are, for example, you are sitting with your wife, and just you know things, and there is no need to say in mm. that moment. Do you feel that that is it that can happen? <laughs> Uh, probably potentially hmm. 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 interesting i was uh, you know when we were also discussing about the uh, these archetypes and you know the dragon uh, it also reminds of something that i uh, i just read in in one of the books i think i showed you that book i think it's called uh, the shamanic uh, the way of the shaman it's my michael horner so he was telling us uh, uh, you know his story of uh, like his, his experience of going deep into that shamanic practice and having certain visuals and, you know, uh, at night having certain, you know, what someone might call hallucinations or visuals or imagination or imagery. So when he did a shamanic practice after that in night, he, he explained that he was having certain visuals and those visuals were something like, you know, uh, something like a boat made of a dragon, you, an actual dragon turned into a boat and someone is sitting in that boat and someone is rowing that boat. Mm. They, they arrive to a certain point and that, then that dragon starts flying and all that. So he, he kind of explained his visuals. So uh, in the morning, he, he went to a, another like indigenous shaman and he told him his uh, story of what he saw in his visuals. And he said that, you know, that is the exact thing that I saw, what you saw. And this is, you know, it means that you are a, uh, like you, you are a powerful shaman, shaman yourself. You can become a shaman. And then he started his training and, you know, uh, so that is something very curious to me. That is something in the sense that these visuals that, you know, we, the, or, or the archetypes or, you know, all these stories that the mind makes up the commonality of it, uh, in, in our experience seems to be something which is not just, uh, probabilistic in the sense that something which does not happen just because, uh, you know, we talk about it or we see it in our physical experience, but there is something deeper than that, which is, you know, again, not physical, but a part of our consciousness where we share a, 
this you know as as carl jung said this collective unconscious where we share a consciousness field which we can access maybe and it has similar stories hmm. uh, what 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 do you feel about this it's, it, the thing i was just thinking was maybe the value of tapping into this stuff for yourself hmm. and maybe following it or allowing it to infect was the first word that came to mind but i don't know if that's quite right but just allowing these images to sort of guide you in some way towards something that is maybe like the the deeper path or like i was just thinking of the the shaman and having this vision um it was making me think maybe it's because i recently i reread the alchemist and it's it's mm. full of this talk about omens and that's kind of been on my mind a lot mm. um, but if you're sort of aware of this stuff in your mind and in your environment uh that can lead you to become increasingly aware of it and then you see more of all these like archetypes and uh that that can maybe guide you in some powerful and important way to yeah. you know find what it is that you should be quote unquote should be doing or what you're meant to be doing like being a shaman mm-hmm. um but that's just what it made me think of like maybe it, that image of this running person and the falling into space like that's my most true kind of understanding or language and if i just keep following that same sort of area of my mind it will lead me in the like the truest direction mm 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 yeah i think uh, that what you just said about the omens is uh you know also brings into my mind the idea of synchronicities uh a lot of people have like these common experiences in synchronicities for example something very common is new uh, you know numerology in the sense that some people see certain numbers again and again you know i think 1111 is something very common which a lot of people see um also you know these um like waking up in the night at 3 pm for example is a common experience so these uh these synchronicities i i think what the omens can be uh, and you know i'm just guessing what you're meaning by this is it similar to that what you're saying the omen and the synchronicity i think so yeah maybe you're just you're tapping into something that is kind of close to the the thread that ties everything together and mm. maybe inherently by following that you're 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 moving in the direction that is most natural uh or most real mm. maybe versus something that is running away from that uh, mm. 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 what was your uh, what was your experience so that was one experience but did you have any other experience during the silence that was the main one i think what happened for me is i i don't remember what the other thoughts were but i i was having a variety of different sort of jumbled 
thoughts and then that led into a vision that was sort of describing mm. that experience i think that often happens for me which is that's just a really cool thing i think mm. of having some kind of more you might call it conceptual or intellectual or, or even just mundane experience of something and then allowing a vision to come up to sort of symbolically represent mm. what's happening uh so there, just having a bunch of jumbled thoughts and then leading into this vision of like a me that's running and mm. at any moment I could drop back and fall into something that's much more vast, uh, but can't really be explained any other way, I think, than a visual like that. Yeah. Um, I, I read a kind of a cool description of consciousness. I'm reading this book called Living with the Devil right now. You might actually be, be interested in it. Um, by Stephen Batchelor. Uh, mm -hmm. He wrote Buddhism Without Beliefs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. But he is talking about consciousness and how it's something that is indescribable because the way that we describe things is by comparing them to other things that, that they're like. Uh, mm -hmm. And that consciousness just eludes that because you know when we look at anything, we're experiencing it through consciousness. It's not something that I can hold and say, Consciousness is like this thing. Mm, um, yeah. But so maybe we can get closer to, or I, I just think this for myself anyways, like closer to truth or like an explanation of something like that, that is beyond explanation in this area of just kind of creative visual, or maybe that's what art is like getting close to describing something that can't be described otherwise, cause you can't compare it to something that's just tangible. It's, it has to be this kind of expression that helps you to feel something. Mm -hmm. The question is, uh, you know, is, is how real is that? Like lately I have started questioning the concept of what's real and what's not real. Uh, yeah. You know, I think maybe uh, my delving into shamanism is making me question that because for, you know, what I read was, and you know what I also heard from a shaman was that for a shaman, no reality is like there is no thing as such as more real or less real. Everything in the experience is real. So maybe that you know we call this physical reality real because you know this is something very tangible to us. We can we can touch it. We can uh, you know we can this this is a very tangible table for me. I can touch it, but. Again, if we go deeper into also science, then this is just, you know, vibrating energy at a, at a very basic level, vibrating uh -huh. molecules and atoms. Uh, but the question is, uh, you know, how real is this experience, which we kind of usually, uh, you know, judge as a hallucination or, you know, maybe schizophrenia to an extreme extent mm -hmm. where... Uh, we say that, okay, these visuals, for example, the visual you had of this person, you know, now this is something which is uh, in your experience, subjective experience, but someone else, you know, would just say, oh, this is just a hallucination. This is not something right. real. Um, but That's me like closing my eyes and imagining, which on the surface seems different than when I open my eyes back up and now I'm talking with Saka recording a podcast, like that's the real world. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> but in what you're describing, that is no different at all. Maybe even that's more real because yeah. all that other stuff is like conceptual dressing on top of what's actually happening right now. And, yeah. uh, and even now the visual is something kind of different when I talked about it in that moment, then whatever is most real right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because, uh, you know, even, even this, this vision of yours, it can get to the extent of becoming your reality in the sense, like if you get too much into it, for example, right. If you visualize it very vividly, uh, to this, to the extent that you might, uh, deprive uh, yourself of the senses you know there is some sort of sensory deprivation you are kind of not in your body you're not feeling what's happening around you but you are more in this more in this visual and you kind of mm-hmm. in your you know that's what we do in meditations when we visualize we kind of make it a very vivid and real mm-hmm. experience for us so then the question again arises that you know then you know why do we consider uh, it as not real maybe that is also real in our experience as and and also like the uh, the dream state for example some dreams are so vivid uh, you know I, I just remember a dream i had a few days ago uh, and this dream was I'm, I'm a little bit diverting from the topic but it was so mm-hmm. vivid and i was so like as if when i woke up as if this world is kind of a dreamy space which is not very experiential but this dream was so experiential and I saw myself, you know, uh, it was a very kind of a Harry Potter, like of a scene, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a you know, big university, which was like Hogwarts. And I was, I, I went there for learning music and, you know, there were all these tall beings there. And uh, I was so, I, w- I was kind of feeling that music all around me. I was feeling the bliss of that music all around me then it was as if this experience is more real than anything. And in the dream itself, I was kind of saying that to myself, this experience is real than more than anything, huh. uh, you know, <laughs> so that makes me wonder. I'm, I'm really fascinated by this. What, what do you feel is this idea of reality for you? Uh, what, what would you say for, about that? I guess I'd, I don't really it it doesn't to me feel like something i need to figure out or or can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. figure out it, it, it makes me think of how i think maybe the the buddha responded to some questions of uh like there's there's no figuring that out uh or or maybe the question doesn't even compute uh mm-hmm. Because it would it would mean to create uh, some sort of duality, I guess, uh, to say something is real or isn't. Uh, but I, for me, I, I don't see a dream as any less real um, than waking, quote unquote, waking state. Like it's all a conscious sort of projection, and yeah. I. I'm fascinated by dreams uh, mm-hmm. and the way you can remember dreams and how they sort of can stay alive, like, uh, or how a dream can, you might not remember it and then it'll just 
come up out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. You recall back to this experience from a dream, like a memory. Um, yeah. That's just really interesting. Like, so do you allow this? I don't know if allow is the right word, but does this dream impact you uh, now? This specific one that I talked about? Yeah. Uh, it impacts me in the sense that the feeling of, I think it was the feeling of that bliss that maybe, you know, in uh, th that feeling of bliss, that musical bliss that I experienced, it was so profound that I couldn't find any of such experience in the, in the physical, you know, what we call the physical life here. Mm. Uh, it was as if, you know, I, I am the music itself. It was as if, you know, I've become one with the music. Uh, also like makes me think, uh, you know, I, I, I used to sing and I, I used to have this maybe natural capability, uh, you know, since my childhood of being able to understand music, especially when it comes to vocals. So mm -hmm. maybe I was thinking, is it possible that what I was seeing was kind of a, you know, what, what, what is called as a past life or something? Is it kind of that, that, you know, maybe I developed this natural, what I, what we call a natural capability, maybe it was something developed in a, a previous uh, life or a parallel lifetime. Uh, mm -hmm. That, that, that stays with me. And that yearning for that experiencing that bliss again of that musical bliss that stays with me. Uh, <laughs> and, and it makes me, it makes me happy at the same. It makes me happy that we still, we have, that potential to experience all those emotions, you know, it means that we have that potential to go beyond our suffering, you know, that, that we experience in this world and have those blissful experiences, which as human beings, we might not have experienced yet, you know, uh, in, in, in the physical body. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, an interesting exploration as it always is yeah it's gone in many different directions yeah it is food for thought like it always leaves me with uh this yearning to explore and i'm, and I'm sure you know after our session maybe in the evening today i will definitely start exploring more about this uh you know dream space and the visions and visuals so i'm always left with more curiosity when our sessions <laughs> end. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, another line from this book, um, something like, he's talking about the, this notion of a path. Mm. Uh, and so, so I, I mentioned it's called living with the devil. And it is describing the quote unquote devil as like what creates blocks to a path or what gets in the way of a path and sort of keeps you on, it could be like the notion of samsara or uh, just vicious circles of living. You maybe it's, have some sense of what your path is, which is moving away from this mm. uh, onto something that's much more winding and, and unknown, but the, the devil quote unquote, keeps putting barriers in the way of that. And okay. I think one description of the path that he used was uh, life becomes 
uh, a question as opposed to a fact, uh, which I just mm. kind of mm. liked. And you just mentioning being left with more curiosity. Uh, yeah. I always feel that way too. Everything is kind of unfinished and, um, but that's just fun. It's just like the expansion of this dynamic path. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I absolutely agree, you know, uh, that curiosity again is a, is a very blissful feeling. Like it can be both ways for, for people. It, for, you know, for someone, it can be an irritation that it is not, you know, the questions are not answered, but for, uh, for some, it is also a very uh, beautiful feeling of the existence being infinite and our potential to explore the infinity. Is, is still there yet, you know, it's not a full stop. It is still a question mark. And that is, mm -hmm. that is beautiful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Great. So uh, great time with you today. Same with you. I'll uh, talk with you next time. Yeah. See you soon. Thank you for joining us in the what is now experience. We hope that you liked the episode. If there were any insights or ideas arising for you as you were listening to our conversation, then you can share those ideas through your comments. We would love to know. Stay tuned for the next episode. Namaste.